studio apartment in Chicago is Brandon Shockney. Brandon, how are you? I'm great, Bill. How are you? I've got a little bit of a growly timber to my voice this morning. I'm, I'm feeling that. I noticed. Who is this? Chuck Norris in here? Chuck Norris fact. <laughs> Chuck Norris would not be here. He would be <laughs> punching a wall. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Mm. <laughs> As a quick reminder, So Many Bits is brought to you in part by the Second Wind Collective. For more podcasts like this one, please visit secondwindcollective.com for details. Now, Brandon, uh, we've been playing some video games together lately. We have been. Yeah. Uh, well, in addition to that, what have you been playing? Well, in addition to our shared gaming torture experience um, recently, <laughs> uh, I've been playing, uh, of course, it came out this week. Um, because I had it pre-ordered, I was able to play it starting on Tuesday. So Star Wars Battlefront 2, which has been kind of an ongoing thing. A lot of people refunding and uh, uh, not picking up the title. But I, I, I've delved into it a little bit. A uh, little bit of the campaign, which I really like. The like story mode is is very um, clever, I think, so far uh, in, in the story it's tackling. Um, and I like the new characters and stuff, so I'm enjoying that. And then I've delved a little bit into the multiplayer, um, which I already really enjoy. I haven't tried the heroes versus villains mode yet, which I've heard is kind of crazy, uh, where you just get to play as like Ray or Darth Vader or whoever. But overall, um, you know, I didn't really get into Battlefront One because I was told it was, you know, kind of a um, empty game, right? Not a lot of content. But this this feels like there is. A good amount of content. I mean, despite the whole crate thing, and um, it is a bit of a grind to like earn enough credits to get a crate, but it's been a really fun experience so far. So that's been kind of like the main game I've been playing. And then I've also uh, recently picked up because it was on sale for like 20 bucks, I picked up Uncharted The Lost Legacy. Okay. All right. Um, because I, I love the Uncharted franchise, uh, I hadn't. Um, I hadn't picked up this one yet uh, because I don't know. I, I just I was uh, it it felt more like an expansion or something because it doesn't follow the main storyline. But I started it and it's so fun. Like it's just like the Uncharted games that you've played before. I really like Chloe and Nadine, the two main characters. Yeah. So Nathan Drake is not in this game. It's just uh, no. Yeah. So uh, what is the relationship between? I mean. Mm -hmm. those characters in the uncharted franchise chloe is a former um like adventurer who kind of was a, also a romantic love interest with with nathan drake um so uh and then nadine was kind of like an adversary in uncharted 4 but chloe has hired her for like help and protection in this adventure so that's how the two of them kind of like like meet up um and they both come from the previous games as kind of like supporting characters and it's generally the same kind of action too right the, the mm -hmm. climbing around looking for the next handholds yeah like that. well what's interesting about this one so far is that um it kind of lands you in an open world and you have to go to like different spots in the world oh okay. which is very unlike what the regular uncharted games were but it's like oh i have a map and there's these four places on the map that i have to go to uh, and I can kind of choose which ones I want to go to first. So, um, so it, it's a little bit different, but the the game's play is essentially the same type of like running, gun, um, climb, uh, uh, hide from enemies, 
um, and like uh, take them out stealthily, things like that. So uh, it's good. It, it uh, I'm I'm looking forward to diving back into it when I want something more narrative. Um, then I'll, I'll go to that. And then finally, the last thing I've been playing is dot hack slash gu colon last recode. I see. Um, which is a collection of the old PlayStation 2 games, dot .hack slash GU. Um, so it's three games that they've kind of collected, and they've also added like a fourth thing. I don't even know how much that fourth thing is supposed to be another game. But uh, but I, I really liked the dot .hack world uh, back in like high school and college. Uh, so I am curious to dive back into it and see if it holds up so far uh the you know it's it's a little bit dated um but and the the dialogue and the it's so kind of over the top but there's like a charm to that too uh so it's it's like hitting me in the right spot nostalgia wise um where i'm kind of on board and i'll, I'll continue to play through all of them uh but that, those are the main three that I'm playing right now. Battlefront 2, Uncharted Lost Legacy, and .hack slash GU. Of those three, which do you think you will play the most going forward from today? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think, well, the other two uh, kind of have like a very, once you go through the story, you're kind of done with them, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so Battlefront 2 probably has the lo- biggest longevity there. Um, and of course, I'm always playing Overwatch as well, which just released a new character, uh, Moira, yeah. new support character. Um, so those type of games, just by nature, I'll probably be playing longer than those those narrative ones. But um, I don't know. I, I you know I haven't picked up Dot Hatchless GU in like a week, and I'm kind of missing it. Oh, oh so okay. so I might be diving back in here soon. Well, we'll keep an eye out for that then. Keep me yeah. posted, or I'll just. Stalk you on PlayStation Network. One, one or the other. There you go. Just, yeah, please. Okay. Good. <laughs> uh, as for myself, yeah, uh, I've not been playing anything new uh, as it pertains to, like, previous episodes. So mm-hmm. it's all the same stuff. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about Cuphead. <gasps> Cuphead. <laughs> so... Cuphead. I, maybe you didn't say this explicitly, but I inferred from you after the extra live stream. You're just like, well, well, let's get together again and just knock it out. Yeah, yeah. So I was arrogant, <laughs> Bill. I thought, let's just spend a day and we'll beat Cuphead. We'll just beat it. Yeah, like humans do. Like humans do. But uh, no, that that's not us. That's uh, not even close to us. We spent. Six hours on a Sunday with uh, you, me, and our, our friend Alyssa, mm-hmm. and we finished like a half. Oh, not a half of the game. Like we got up to maybe like halfway through the game. Yeah, but like we already had some progress. Oh yeah, you're right. Like that game is hard, Brandon. That game, the game is, really is hard. hard, but it's rewarding. It is. We beat the strongest boss in the game. Second strongest, apparently. Yeah that that. There's this dragon that's really, really annoying, and I was uh, reminded a lot of the this one boss from Mega Man 2, where it's like, it's floating in front of you and behind you, and you're jumping on platforms as they scroll and shooting back at him, and he just he has so many different forms, and there's so many different patterns and stuff, and like the last pattern, like that's the hardest part, is like you get 
to the end of these bosses sometimes, finally, after like 10 tries, and you don't know their pattern yet. Yeah. So then it's like another 10 tries to get back to that point, so you can right. see the pattern again, and then start to learn it. It, uh, it. It's one of those games where it is kind of, it's so weird that you can see your progress. You're like, oh my god, I can now, after an hour of doing this, I can now very easily get to this one point in the boss fight. Like, it's showing me how I'm getting better at the game. You know, a lot of games you can't really see your um, progress, like, in front of you like that. Uh, but Cuphead is very much like, no, you try hard enough. You'll see the results. I streamed some more of the game a couple days ago, actually. How'd you do? Uh, well, I did a lot better. Like, really? Uh, yeah. It's in your bones now. Exactly, yeah. So I was basically replaying the spot that we had started from on Sunday. And I like I did the dragon. I beat the dragon two tries. Whoa, really? Yeah. By yourself? Yeah. Bill. Because like I knew the patterns now. Just like yeah. da, 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 da. Maybe it was us. Maybe we were holding you back, Bill. No, I, I don't think it was that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there are different challenges to one and two player mode. So in huh. one, one player mode, you, mean, you have less hits. You don't have the, the parry mechanic to save each other. Hmm. Uh, so in Cuphead, you can like parry off certain projectiles. But also, if there are two of you on screen, uh, Cuphead and his pal Mugman, they have a pink heart. So you can uh, parry off the heart to give them one more hit point, basically. Mm-hmm. So like you, you don't have that advantage, but the bosses have a lot less health. Oh, okay. And I think I underestimated one thing. Like When you are playing by yourself, you have a lot better of an idea where your hitbox is, where you are. With two similar-looking small characters with like, a lot of black in their art. It can be sometimes tricky to figure out which one is you. Oh, yeah. Well, we ran into that a lot, right? Yeah. Of like, oh, I thought I was Cuphead, or I thought I was Mugman. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so you were replaying the parts that you've already beaten. Did you get farther? Well, so that's the thing. I, 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 uh, I got to the clown. We were trying Beppy the Clown. Oh, right. It took me like a half hour to beat Beppy mm-hmm. uh, after lots of tries. And then uh, beat that running gun level where we're, there's one where you like, you're bouncing and inverting between different, like oh, the top and the bottom of the screen. Beat that one, okay. That was really tough. That yeah. was, that took a lot of uh, like patience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I find, I got to world three and I fought the first boss there, and that took like forty five minutes just wow. like, on that by itself. Like what this, kind of boss was it? It was a queen bee. Oh, nice. And the screen was scrolling from down to up. Oh. Yeah. So you got to keep ascending. Yes. Man. And then that was really challenging, like, keeping track of that and keeping track of all the different patterns in the Queen Bee's maneuvers. Mm-hmm. But finally, finally got her at the end. Uh, wow. before, that was the last thing I did before I stopped the stream, because I was like, all right, that's that's all the tolerance I have today for punishment. Right. <laughs> but, uh, hey, it sounds like, you know, um, you'll get there. It's, it seems, at least it's the progression is not impossible, right? Where it still feels like you can do it, even though it is very, very hard. It's not like a thing where it's like, it can't be done! Um, and that's a tricky balance, I think, to find for for a lot of games, where it's either too easy or too difficult. Um, sounds like this is just difficult enough to be wildly frustrating, but uh, not impossible. And it does a good thing that some newer, hyper-difficult games do, where it's just like there's almost no death penalty, whereas like you can press continue and just pop right back into that level again and try yeah. it again. And that really can cut down on the frustration because you don't have to like build up to like a, with a big cutscene or whatever. You can just go, like, go, try it again. Right. 
that was always my favorite part of Super Meat Boy is that, that, and then also at the end of each Super Meat Boy stage, you would see the progression of all your Meat Boys through the stage simultaneously. Yeah. That was cute. If Cuphead did that, I mean, it probably isn't technically possible because <laughs> it's a much more advanced game, but uh-huh. that'd be cool. Yeah. Could, like, see where all the Cupheads were and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and all the, all the Cup souls that have left. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, c- congratulations, Bill. Thank you. Thank you. I think I'm going to try and play this game through to completion. Do it. I would re- really like to do that. Yeah. See the end. And then, otherwise, when I need a break, when I need something a little more chill, I'm playing more Super Mario Odyssey. Ooh, yes, of course. Uh, so, at this point now, I've beaten, in quotes, the game. I, I reached oh, really? the original ending. Uh, saved Peach from Bowser. Oh, of course. Naturally. Mm-hmm. And then in this game, so you got moons. And there are a maximum of 999 moons you wow. can find. Yeah. How many do you have right now? I have something like 350. Oh, wow. So there's a lot of moons to go. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, uh, so you play through the game one time, and then when you beat it, so I'm going to talk a little bit about things that happen later in the game, but, I mean, respectfully, I don't think these are spoilers necessarily. Like, Mm -hmm. there's no, like, plot elements that are being unreal or being revealed. Mm -hmm. So you, uh, you play through the game, you beat it, and then, like, you would see these boxes, these metallic alien-looking boxes throughout the game that you couldn't do anything with. But now when you go back to them in the earlier worlds and, like, ground pound them, they release another batch of, like, 20 moons into the level. Oh, wow. Okay. And they mark them on the map for you as well. So you now know, like, where to go to get them. But then there's, like, always going to be a puzzle or, like, a platforming segment to do when you get there. Well, that's nice that you don't have to, like, be aimless about where they're at. You know, you can at least be like, oh, they're on a map. Like, that. I feel like that is so much... So giving you a nice um, head start, at least. That, yeah. That maybe other Mario games would not do, right? Right, yeah. And, like, even with those, like, that first batch of moons before you reveal the alien block, like, those aren't, those are hidden at first, but you can also pay, like, 50 coins to a toad, which in this game means nothing. 50 coins is nothing. Mm-hmm. And then he'll be like, oh, here's a hint on, like, an area you can search for some moons. Oh, cool. So there, there is some help there. You don't have to like totally go in the dark and try and find all these moons. Mm-hmm. Got to be honest, Bill. Uh, Mario Odyssey makes me want to get a Switch. Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild <laughs> makes me want to own a Switch. I really like the Switch. I think it's an excellent uh, platform for playing games. And like now they're starting to pivot a lot of game companies. And like now they're like, okay, now that the Switch is successful, we're going to make some Switch games. Mm-hmm. And so I think you can look forward to seeing... Uh, like the bigger companies getting behind it in addition to Nintendo and like the indie developers which are already there and uh, if you just bought one today like Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild are enough to like keep you playing for hours and hours and hours for a while like right now I'm just playing on the train Uh, I've I've had some uh, chats with people who own Switches like do you play this in public or do you play this on public transportation and I I'm fine doing it I you know it's fine people are on their phones all the time people are playing games or watching movies or whatever i'm gonna play my switch and yeah i don't think there's anything wrong with that good yeah <laughs> i'd be like oh that guy has a switch if i saw someone i'd probably like eerily peer over you and watch you play <laughs> on the train <laughs> if it was me uh, and so i'll just get in like 20 minutes going to work maybe depend it's hard getting a 
seat on the train going to work and then 20 sure. minutes going back. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty much all I'll play each day. Nice. And it's fun. That's good. And uh, yeah, it seems like those games, Mario especially, are easy to like kind of pop in and cruise around for 20 minutes and then you can pop out if you need to. You know, you don't have to like, oh no, I'm at a point where I really need to, you know, save or whatever. You're completely correct. Yeah. yeah. They, they redesigned this particular, this in Breath of the Wild to be a lot more, so you can put them down when mm -hmm. you need to. Mm -hmm. uh, that, well, that's not what I've been playing, Brandon. Uh, before we continue with our Choose Your Fighter segment, uh, you know what time it is. Is it time for Bill's Magic Minute? Yes. There was a slight look of concern on your face I saw. It's so like, oh God. <laughs> and then I had it. You had it. Thank you so much. Thank you. I got it uh, up. Oh, he's got the stopwatch app. So, for those of you unfamiliar, uh, I really like this game, Magic the Gathering, but I don't feel it's always fair to talk about it with, like, a guest or with listeners who aren't, like, aware of the context or have no interest. So, I devote only one minute each episode to talking about it, and then I shut up for the rest of the episode. So, uh, Brandon, when you are ready, let's go. And go! Today, as of this recording... There is a new magic set coming out called Iconic Masters. This is another in a series of releases where they reprint older cards in kind of like an expert level setting. Not only are they putting in like more advanced mechanics, but also they're reprinting older premium cards. The, the marquee card here being Mana Drain, which is a blue-blue instant that counters target spell. And then you can get X mana in your next main phase where X is equal to the cost of the card you countered. But I see a bit of fatigue, I think, online about this set. There have been several master set. There's masters sets. There's already been a master set released this year, and people maybe just getting burned out on where we're going with this uh, policy of reprints. That maybe there are too many magic sets happening. I'm gonna give this a try because I'm kind of a degenerate, and I'm happy just to like see how these new cards interact with each other. But I can totally understand for a lot of players. And that's time. Thank you, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> I, uh, that was good. Ah, yeah. oh, good, good. I'm glad. You got a lot of information out <laughs> in the short amount of time. I'm impressed. Well, I have to. I only have one minute. That's one minute. Yeah. His magic minute. It's my. <laughs> now, at this point, Brandon, why don't we move on to our Choose Your Fighter segment? For this segment, Brandon and I will go back and forth with one article, news event, or upcoming game until only one of us is left standing. Now, usually I think I lead off on this segment, but Brandon. Like, yeah. I think we kind of paused our Battlefront 2 discussion a little bit because we knew we were going to be talking about it more later. Yes. I appreciate that you respected the different segments. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> and so, yeah, let's uh, you lead, lead off. Let's talk about the continuing saga of Star Wars Battlefront 2. Yes, so new developments, right? So the big thing was people weren't buying Battlefront. They were asking for refunds. They were asking EA to change. They were... Uh, they're, EA did a Reddit Ask Me Anything the day after it came out, right? Or yeah. um, on Tuesday, they like had their AMA on Wednesday or something. And people asked them the tough questions. And I think they kind of avoided them at the time, uh, which is fair, right? Uh, I mean, but also, if you're going to do an Ask Me Anything, what are you expecting, right? Right, um, yeah. 
But uh, so the the interesting wrinkle here is that they have now eliminated um, in game purchases. So microtransactions are temporarily uh, gone from the game. So you can only get crates and only get uh, stuff for your characters via in game credits and progression that way. So you've been playing a little bit of the multiplayer, mm-hmm. and my understanding, having not played this game, is that the way it was set up with the actual paid to get the loot boxes was integral to the progression. Like, well, like it or not, that was it was designed that way. And now without that in there, like, how does it work? What do you do? Um, so yeah, you. Uh, so I there's three different kinds of crates. So there's like. A trooper crate, which is the most expensive, and that's the one that you probably want to spend your credits on because you can get cards for, like, your heroes and stuff also in those crates. And then there's some cheaper ones. There's, like, a um, starfighter crate, which is just stuff for, like, the vehicles. And then there's, like, a heroes crate, which is just stuff for uh, the hero characters. Um, so, uh, the I think the, the trooper crate is, like, 4,000 credits, I want to say. And... You know, you get about uh, maybe 300, well, maybe not that many. The The credits you get per match can vary, right? So it might take you two hours of gameplay to be able to afford one credit or, or afford one crate. Um, so you don't have to, I, I was planning on when I bought this, I knew that microtransactions were a thing. My whole uh, philosophy was I would not pay um, anything uh, beyond what I paid for the game um, once I got it, right? So I was going to play just via the the in-game currency um, because you you can level up faster if you spend the money. I think the, the ridiculous number was it was like $2,000 can get you all the content in the game, uh, which yeah. is a lot. Uh-huh. Um, or you play the game like you have to play the game for six months or something consistently in order to unlock everything that you want. Um, so uh, I don't know. I it didn't bother me as much as other people, but just because I didn't really care to like be the best and have the best stuff right away, like it doesn't bother me. I, I'm more in it for the experience. It doesn't feel like uh, as serious of a shooter. Or, uh, like, a multiplayer uh, campaign as, like, Overwatch. Where Overwatch feels very, like, there's, like, competition. And, you know, uh, we have, like, a tournament. uh, Or, like, an Overwatch World Cup, right? So it feels like um, that's more, like, a a phenomenon in the multiplayer space. And I feel like Battlefront's just a little bit more lighter, right? Like, no one's really like, I have to become the best at (laughs) Battlefront 2. And, and, I mean, there are people out there that are like that. But I've... I, I feel I'm there for the Star Wars feel and the Star Wars experience. I just want to cruise around in a TIE fighter and feel like I'm, a, a, you know, a pilot for the Empire and I'm going to get what I want out of the game. I think it's a little ironic that Overwatch is brought up relatively frequently as a comparison to Battlefront 2, where that's a hyper-competitive game, rigorously balanced, and yet... People, I think, are generally accepting of the loot boxes in Overwatch, even mm. though there is a non-zero cost. If you're like, I really need to get this particular skin, uh, people can drop like 50 bucks on loot boxes and not even get that skin. It's true. But I think we're mostly okay with that model. I think the big difference with Overwatch is that it's all cosmetic. Um, so 
with Battlefront 2, a lot of the stuff you can pay for will make your characters better. Um, and that's where I think people are kind of going off the rails, where it's like, if, if it was just cosmetic transactions for Battlefront 2, then I think people would be fine with the loot, loot crates, and it wouldn't bother people. But the fact that you can um, unlo- like spend a bunch of money on, on crates and get a bunch of stuff for your troopers that will make them, um, you know, strut, like have more shield and will be able to fire faster and have like the best grenades and stuff that will give you an edge in, in the actual gameplay, I think is where people are um, getting angry about it because uh, it is pay to win, whereas Overwatch is not pay to win. And I think that brings us back to something you emphasized right at the start is that they are temporarily removing loot boxes it sounds like they're going to come back probably with a new model yeah i would say they're they're probably going back to the drawing board and hopefully um working on something where it, it would be great if they if they just come up with an uh, with a solution that um i don't know how you can get around the pay to win thing because people probably no matter what will be able to pay an exorbitant amount of money but who's doing that <laughs> like who's like like you know what i want to like be dominate in battlefront 2 from the get-go i'm gonna drop coin um so like if you do that more power to you person but uh i don't think i think the majority of the gaming population wouldn't do that right i know a lot of people are upset about it but would are most people gonna shell out thousands of bucks to get good at a video game no nope i I certainly hope not Uh, yeah but yeah, that, that's kind of like the, it's known as like targeting or hunting whales mm-hmm. is I think the term where you see this in uh, like mobile game development as well, where these, uh, they're making games with the idea that they can't get even 1% of people, maybe 0.0001% of people will invest like that, like the thousands of dollars. But if they can get them and that's a huge home run mm-hmm. and that'll help with their bottom line significantly, like, uh. I've, I'm going to maybe faintly uh, mess this up, but, like, with the mobile games, you can, like, figure out where people are playing from and, like, maybe what preferences they have for stuff they like and then make it better and they'll, like, encourage them to buy things that, like, make that particular thing in the game better. Oh, interesting. Huh. Uh, I mean, there is a market for that. I, I like, yeah. I, I have a friend who he worked for... Uh, a big mutual fund thing we do in New York. And he's like, oh, my friends play Clash Royale. They drop thousands of bucks on it. Because, like, they're single and they're 30. And, like, they just want to be good at the game. What do they care? Wow. Yeah. It's a nice... It's a... uh, Maybe not a nice life. We'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it just comes across as kind of, like... uh, I mean, if that's what you need to, like, feel good about, you know, your, your life to, like drop money on a video game um so that you're better at it than other people then great i i mean i feel the same way of people that buy like very you know big cars or like very fancy cars it's like if if you want this luxury and you can afford it hey good on you i'm not gonna that if that's what you want take it um it's not an interest of mine uh so but i also spend money on really stupid shit so <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean i i feel the same way like I, I buy i can't really knock anyone too much yeah for uh 
if they want to drop a bunch of money on Battlefront crates hmm. and try and unlock Darth Vader, I spent how much money playing Magic the Gathering? We just talked about how, literally, just like five minutes ago, I was like, ah, I don't think this thing is good, but I'm going to buy it anyway because yeah. I want to see it. So, right. like, I, I, who am I to judge? I And I love Star Wars, and I, I always will. So, like, I want to be able to absorb that content, you know, that, and especially with, like, a game like this, um, it's an experience that I can't really get anywhere else, so I'm going to pay money for it. I mean, we cannot count on companies to look after our best interests. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's just no structure for that in place in our current society, if we can get big picture on it. So, mm -hmm. I mean, for we have to look out for ourselves and decide what we're willing to spend money on, and mm -hmm. if we really want to make a stand, we just have to not buy the thing. Yeah, that's yeah, our, or, that's our power. Yeah, or yeah, you either don't buy the game, or you buy the game and you don't worry about it, and you don't spend money on loot. That crates. too, that is like, perfectly viable. Yeah, like uh, you know what? No one's forcing you. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. That's that's it. That's it for my my segment with it. Uh, I'm very curious to see how it continues to develop, what they come back with when they do introduce these uh, microtransactions back into the game. I I, I hope for their sake that it is significantly better uh, or they'll ruin their reputation even further if they introduce it and it's the same or <laughs> just slightly better it needs to be significantly different um so hopefully they, they they're taking this feedback seriously mm -hmm. same same yeah and in a lighter topic uh i want to talk today about recent layoffs at telltale uh a game mm. developer there popular for a number of kind of like choose-your-own-adventure slash visual novel games based on popular franchises. Uh, most recently, they had Guardians of the Galaxy, they just wrapped up, mm -hmm. and then they've also got The Walking Dead, Batman, I think they're in Batman Season 2 right now. That's right. And so, yeah, uh, this seems like a significant reversal. They laid off 25% of their workforce. It's a lot. And uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about maybe why that happened. It looks like Based on the things I've read, uh, obviously not an industry person, but it's like reading articles online, uh, the two main things are, first off, they had too many IPs and too many projects going on at one time. Like, it seemed it was just like totally a case where they hit it big with The Walking Dead Season 1. Mm -hmm. That would have been back in like 2011, I think. Yeah. That was their first big hit. They've been doing Telltale games for years prior to that. Like, they made... Sam and Max games, there was a Jurassic Park game, uh, there were a few other franchises, but those were the they, ones. They did those Monkey Island ones, the later ones. Yes, uh, yeah. Uh, which were really fun. I played those too, because I love that series. And then this was just the one time, though, where they hit it big. It was mm -hmm. like a, a game of the year darling, and made them, it sold a ton of copies, and that's where they like really spun up production and went out and got all these very large IPs. And per this uh, U.S. Gamer article I was reading by Matt Kim where they talked about it, that turned out to be a huge hassle because, uh, you know, working with IPs, uh, this was actually something that came up also with that e uh, Visceral Studios getting shut down when they were making the Star Wars game. Sometimes it's hard to write for a game when you're uh, working with a very well-established IP. Like, uh, It's true. I mean, it seems like with the Batman one, from what I have understand about it, like they, they're allowed to be a little flexible there. So, yeah, so I've... I'm coming from it because I've played a lot of these. Um, so uh, I played the first season of Walking Dead. 
I, I very briefly started the second season of that. Um, I played the uh, a bit of um, the Game of Thrones one, which, you know what, I that one didn't really hit me at all. Uh, I was like, this is fine, and then I finished the first episode, and I was like, I don't think I'm going to continue with it. Um, and then I have both the Batman season one, Telltale, and the Guardians of the Galaxy one. Uh, the Batman one I have not finished, but the Guardians of the Galaxy one I have kind of gone all the way through and beaten. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the Guardians one is interesting. You talk about NIP and being hard to write for it because it is trying so much to uh, replicate what's in the movies, um, but also provide its own backstory and world as well. Um, I think the Batman games handle it better because we know so much about batman as uh just a like through pop culture like we understand the joker and we understand the penguin so they can play with those and present more like of an alternate history that one feels very much more like we're telling our own story we're changing up crucial elements right so like penguin and batman are like childhood friends in like this universe whereas guardians feels like maybe they were a little bit more tied to we gotta have the music that's that (laughs) eight that like 70s music we gotta have um rocket being kind of mean we gotta have gamora or and drax being kind of like literal and so it, it, it at its best it feels like a kind of creative platform where they can try a bunch of different stuff and um add another uh, side of a certain property at its worst, it comes across as a cheap knockoff of the, of the other products, which, yeah, which that, that was my thing with guardians. I, I enjoyed my time with it. I played through all five episodes, but it really does just feel like a very safe game of like, we're just, we're not going to try anything beyond what, you know, um that one kind of ended a little bit uh it started out really interesting the first episode i was like oh this is going somewhere crazy and then i felt like it kind of meandered um and so i'm not as into that one but sorry to derail there no but i think that's emblematic of the risk of these ips is they presumably were not cheap they have little margin for error then to make a really sterling game and they have to sell a lot of copies probably and also, yeah, we, they probably have to stick to, like, certain guidelines of what this character can or can't do, with mm-hmm. some exceptions, maybe, with, like, the Batman, which sounds like they were a little more liberal. Yeah, and my favorite that Telltale has done is The Wolf Among Us, which is loosely based off of the Fables graphic novel, and where where that comes in handy is that they were able to do, like, a prequel to the series so they, they're they're able to have all the characters but then they can kind of play with whatever they want and i think we're getting a second season of that that i'm looking forward to that i'll pick up right away and we'll probably play through immediately uh it feels like it it's the one with the most style and the most uh the most to play with in mm. the world now and i mean it seems like you are really into these and i mean mm. I, it feels like most people, you know, from reading reading magazines, listening to podcasts, 
Like, a lot of these titles are coming and going. Like, they're like, oh, these are pretty good, and then just on to the next thing. And, like, they're just not selling like they used to for, like, The Walking Dead Season 1 did. Yeah, well, I think with a lot of these properties, too, it feels like... It feels like uh, that there's not really any risk. I think what was so crazy about The Walking Dead, the Season 1, is that when you made decisions, it caused, like, characters to, like, die, right? And then the rest of your story kind of like switches up based off of that whereas like with the guardians of the galaxy one i felt like there wasn't any real risk like i don't think peter quill's gonna die you know at at any point Mm -hmm. um so i think that's difficult to uh and a lot of people are starting to catch on that magic of the choices that you make then that magic is fading because you know the narrative isn't going to change that much no matter which choice you choose. Yeah, yeah, just general fatigue with that style of game and and knowing the limitations of its structure. Yeah, that makes you less inclined to play the new ones. They, I, and I'm sure if they... Here's what I would recommend for Telltale. I would say you take... You, you cut back on the IPs. You cut back on the titles. You, you take a few of your select ones that you know do well... And then you make the game and you make the choices that people can make in the game highly different so that the gaming experience does warrant like additional playthroughs. Uh, that's, that's the problem is they say that the choices affect the narrative of the game. But after I finished Guardians of the Galaxy, I was like, I don't need to play through it again. I don't think my choices would end any differently uh, with the outcome. I might get one or two cutscenes that are a little bit different, but... That's not going to warrant me pouring more time into it. I think that's a good suggestion, and I think that also ties into the other problem that Telltale perhaps was having. And I think this problem is almost anyone in any office work environment can relate to this. The Telltale uh, environment, they have this proprietary engine they use to develop their games. Mm-hmm. With like, It's not like Unity or Frostbite or like one of these ones that like everyone uses. They have their own thing. It's very, apparently very old, mm-hmm. very hard to work with, and there is a, not any option for, like, from my limited technical understanding of, like, making certain models and reusing them. So, like, in most, from what I know, from most game development, so like, uh, you're playing Uncharted, and you have Nathan Drake, or you have Chloe, or you have Nadine, and, like, you can, like, more or less plop Nadine into, like, a different map over and over again because you have the the skeleton there already it's Mm -hmm. already made if you wanted to do that telltale's uncharted and you're like nadine can go through one of two doors you have to draw nadine into like a different scene in both doors you can't like reuse your work oh wow that's my understanding of the situation yeah with what they can do and that comes from a waypoint article uh, by patrick klepik and also, again, this U.S. Gamer article by Matt Kim where they talk about some of the issues with their engine and just, like, because they were making all the IPs and pushing all those games out the door so quickly, they never could consolidate and update their engine or build a new engine to work with. So as we're progressing from, like, 2011 to 2017, where Telltale is, like, completely unrecognizable from the company they were, like, they just, they're getting killed by these, having to make these games over and over again. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, this Guardians of the Galaxy game looks just like the Walking Dead game from six years ago. Yeah. Um, the graphics aren't that different, right? Um, so, it's it. they do need to, I think they do need to kind of maybe 
go back into the to the drawing board and kind of make something like how great would it be if they were like we're remaking the walking dead season one we're remaking it um so with updated graphics it, it's the same characters but you know some of the story things are a little bit different like a remastered like what made them famous in the first place like go back to that ip and like really build it up with like modern day stuff they could like that would rule right people would be all about that i think they are i don't know if they're doing a remaster but i believe they are collecting all the previous walking dead entries because they're putting out like a final chapter in 2018 so we'll oh, see if they have any like improvements to the engine for that mm -hmm. yeah that'd be good i hope so like i i, I think they're they're uh i like that they're trying to just tell stories and that they um are uh having they're they're very unique right and i, I want to encourage that within uh an a industry that i feel like turns out so many of the same type of games like I like that this this is like a pocket of yes they do the same thing every time but it's different from what we get anywhere else so I, I just hope I hope they continue to um, develop and uh, that these these layoffs you know aren't a sign of the end of times for them yeah yeah it sounds like it was you know a blow but they're not out of it like as far as I know all their currently scheduled releases are still planning to happen. Mm -hmm. So hopefully they can bounce back. Hopefully those uh, those employees can uh, find themselves, land themselves on, on their feet somewhere else. Best of luck to them. Uh, and yeah, I just uh, it would be a shame because they they were a real good story for a while there, from building themselves up from like nothing into this huge uh, juggernaut. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Brandon. Uh, well, Bill. Yeah, uh, I think uh, in uh, deliberation and review of our entries here... Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, good discussions. Both very good discussions. Looking at the points round by round, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, there was some aggression on the I got sides. some in, you got some in. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to call it a draw. Oh! That's fair. Can't, uh. I, can't, uh, I can't argue with that. So, Brandon, thank you so much for coming on for this episode. Uh, thank if, you, Bill. You're welcome. If uh, you want people to find you, either electronically or in person, where can they find you? Uh, well, you can find me. Uh, I, I do a podcast myself with my buddy John Pernasek. It's called At The Trailers, where we discuss uh, the movie trailers that have come out every week. Um, so you can find that on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, so please check out At The Trailers. Uh, and then you can find me personally on Twitter at B double E shock. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And you know, folks, uh, I'm just going to mention this here uh, with iTunes, especially uh, for at the trailers for your previous podcast, how rude for so many bits. Uh, the main thing that really helps all of us uh, get more visibility is reviews, mm -hmm. preferably five star reviews, but you know, I'll take what I can get. <laughs> uh, I actually don't know if the aggregator actually checks what kind of reviews they are, just if they are reviews. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that, if you are listening to this episode and if you could leave a five star review on iTunes or whatever star review, uh, that would be very appreciated. Uh, just, we put a lot of time into this and sometimes Sometimes just merely because of the way that the podcast app on iPhone works, which most people use, no one sees us. Uh, so, it, you know, if you have the moment, uh, it would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, do it. Yeah. 
As for the rest, uh, we can be reached by email at so many bits podcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook. Give us a like, please. So many bits. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Tumblr at so many bits. Uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please rate and review or download from YouTube, from Spreaker, from SoundCloud. Watch. Uh, we play games on Twitch, twitch.tv slash so many bits. Uh, last week I was playing Magic the Gathering Online, recent standard uh, decks, and then Cuphead. This coming week I'll be playing, uh, I'm not sure yet, but we'll figure it out soon. And last but not least, please check out the rest of the Second Wind Collective for other quality podcasts. Support independent art. The spirit of Dell compels you. Oh. Yeah.